Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Let's Watch Something podcast. I'm your host, Juanita. And I'm Justin. On this podcast, we watch TV shows and movies, and we give our take on them from a mother and son's point of view. Today, we'll be discussing Season 2, Episode 4 of Apple TV's Foundation, titled, Where the Stars Are Scattered Thinly. Well, Justin, uh, I think that Friday's episode was uh, a good, nice little leap forward in the storytelling for the episode. There are a couple of important themes I think we need to touch upon, but I really enjoyed this episode. Um, What do you think? Yeah, I enjoyed it as well. I think, you know, um, along the lines of some, some of the things that we've been discussing on the podcast and off the podcast, you know, mm-hmm. I like when shows continue to, or when shows are, are good at presenting mysteries and making you really think about what they're trying to set up. Um, and I think they did that again that well again this week so yeah yeah so with that being said let's get right into it um we're going to start with what i'm calling part one or the themes and activities that take place on Tranter. so the first thing we see is the glorious um facade or the the location or the setting for Trantor and where uh empire lives and it's just a very very a very it's like castle like futuristic castle like if 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 you will yeah and then we see uh we see queen sarah talking to her her right hand woman mm-hmm. in this scene and they're setting it up you know talking i think they're really just they've had some conversations that we haven't seen on screen but we already know that i feel like they're setting up the empires for some sort of takeover <laughs> You know, once they once they get their footing, they're going to be, you know, I think they're going to be running circles around those guys. As if they already aren't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they already kind of are, or at least, you know, it's not like Empire has them completely under control. So not at all. Yeah. Not at all. And, you know, we see her talking to her, to Rue, and she's like saying, you know, I, um, you've taught me a lot of tricks in terms of being a courtesan, so... You know, the next scene we see, she's out there talking to Day, you know. You mean Dawn? Dawn. I'm sorry. Yes, she's out there talking to Dawn, brother Dawn, the youngest um, empire. And uh, she's putting on all the charms and, and, you know, putting all her feminine wiles on him. You know, she's out there a little barefaced, as as Rue said. You're going to go out there without your... uh, Without your pigments. Without your pigments, yeah. And she's like, yeah, you know, I'm... I am going to be appearing to be very vulnerable, be appearing to be, um, you know, just like a regular girl. <laughs> yeah, she's definitely trying to use whatever she can to, you know, at least subconsciously and subtly manipulate in whatever way she can. Yeah, so, you know, they're walking and then um, at a certain point, you know, she starts tearing up and everything. I'm like, man. This girl is really putting on the charm in terms of she's putting on the offensive. Yeah, I mean, I think she's also like the the tears that we see from her in this scene. Like, I think at least some of them are definitely real because, I mean, if yeah, she's she lost her whole family, there's no did. way you can fake that emotion. Really. That's true. You make a good point. You make a good point. It's just that I think that 
along the lines of what you're saying, she's using that emotion to basically um, get through his defenses. Yeah, draw him in into mm-hmm. her, you know. So um, she's doing a good job. She's gotten him to be real truthful and vulnerable with her and re- reveal some things, you know. You know, about what he thinks of his brother. Like when she asked him, do you think that he had my family killed? And he said no. And he's like, "Is there? Ev- do you have any, like, any evidence? <laughs> and I'm like. Yeah, because I mean, that's that's a pretty powerful assertion that she's making by even asking him that question. Exactly. Right? Like, I don't know if if brother um, Day would find that amusing. He probably would. And brother Dawn is just kind of. He's too he's green. Like, he's just too green around the, you know, around the ears to even, you know, think that that might not be an appropriate question from her. So. Yeah, but I mean, I, I I like how the scene started where he was basically trying to ask her, um, did you have anything to do with the attempt on Day's life? And she was like, why would I do that? That seems kind of stupid. Well, and then, yeah. you know. Like why 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 would she do something like that? And and she uses that sort of thing to play on him and get him second guessing himself. Yeah. And then she then uses her denial of it in in just that quick moment to like basically completely flip that on him and then use it to her advantage to ask him if he thinks that Day could have had anything to do with her family's demise. You know. And to be quite honest. It, it's a hundred percent. He could have had everything to do with it because we see what he did to the Anacreons and the Thespans in season one. As soon as he finds, he feels like someone is challenging him or um, doing something against him. You know, he has to show have a show of force. And so, for whatever reason, if he did do it, he would have whatever his reasons were or are to have done that. You know, because he wants this alliance. And we learn later on in um in the show that for whatever for whatever reason Rue and Day have agreed to this marriage but we don't know we don't have the backstory on what type of conversations they had to come to that yeah I don't know no idea but you know later on in the scene you still see her playing um playing brother Dawn when he's like well I don't know if I would have been I don't know that I'm capable of it now Mm-hmm. but I'm definitely in the mind to think that eventually, you know, I could become capable of it. But then he says that that would have to be before I knew you and liked you. And then she returns it and she's like, well, I like you too. <laughs> there, there's that, there's right. that little bit of manipulation. Yep. She's using it. Yeah. I don't know if you, if you look at her facial expressions, she's really, and I don't know if it's the actress or if that's her playing the part of trying to be like, this vulnerable, like, you know, helpless woman who's been, um, who she suspects his, his family could have done her wrong, you know, and then the looks on her face and just, she's given looks. I will say that. I don't mm-hmm. know who this, I don't know the, the, anything about the actress, but she's definitely given looks. It's like the, the twitch of the lip and the bearing of the teeth and, and the, the puppy dog eyes. She's, she got, she's got everything working. She's got every emotion going on in that face. Oh yeah. So um, in the next scene we see, uh, in the next portion we see uh, Brother Dusk talking to Rue and we find out that, uh, well we 
we find out in that first scene that the two of them had a little, you know, concubine uh, master thing going on. And um, we see that they discuss that in this next scene here where she's talking to him. I think to me, it's like she's pouring the charm onto him, complimenting his work on the Imperial mural and how he's done this and that with it. And, you know, he's falling. I think he's falling right into a trap, too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she she specifically says, you know, in this moment, she's like, well, I see your hands. And then I, and then she says specifically, I see you painted over or something like that, painted over areas where it was a little timid. And I was like, oh, oh, yeah. What does she mean by that? Right. Yeah. I mean, what does she mean by it? And then also she is using that to sort of, you know, glaze him up. <laughs> Glaze him up, Justin. <laughs> I've she, never heard. Yeah, she's 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 laying on. She's laying on <laughs> the you know the sweetness, real thick. She sure is. But the crazy thing about this scene, as they're walking off, is that we see something on the mural that we have seen before. And yes. for you eagle-eyed viewers out there who have picked up on this, um, we see that. Part of the mural contains a depiction of Demerzel's toolbox. That's what we're calling it. I don't know what everyone else is calling it, but we're calling it Demerzel's toolbox. And we see the planets that we saw on the toolbox. And then underneath that, we see, I don't know, Justin, what do you think that looks like? Uh, I mean, I don't know. That figure. I thought, I mean, like, it's obviously hu at least humanoid. Humanoid, so right. So it could either be a human or it could be a robot. Exactly. And this is my thought, right? So we don't know in what time frame the the part of the mural is that they're looking at. But I was, the first thing I thought was Robot Wars. Because they mentioned that in, when did they mention the Robot Wars? Was that in, like, episode one or two or something? Of this season? I I don't know. I don't remember, I don't remember exactly, either. but you remember someone mentioning the robot wars, correct? And yeah. so that just looks to me like it's like a human and a robot. So I was like, hmm, interesting. Well, yeah, I mean, the first thing that she was looking at, though, she was looking at a picture of, I don't know who that could be, was raising their hand in some sort of gesture. And <laughs> the right. first thing I that popped that into my mind was like, is that... <laughs> Some sort of Nazi salute. Oh gosh, I thought that was Cleon the first. Cle I don't know Cleon the first. Wait, yeah, don't you think that would be Cleon the first with the with the white with the silver hair? Uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. Hmm. But I, I, well, I mean, I really, I really should leave it. At I don't know because I don't know who that <laughs> is. Yeah, I, that's the that's the first thing I thought. That was Cleon the first. I don't know why I thought that, but you know. Because he would be like the most prominent figure, of course, in the entire galaxy. So you said Nazi salute. <laughs> but I mean, you notice that that triangle is on his his palm. Yeah. And that I mean, looks like those that, sleep that, patches, doesn't it? Yeah, that, that's another thing I was going to say is like trying to connect it to the other things that we see throughout this episode. Is like right. Or throughout this show even is that you know the triangle could be the, the sleep patches or whatever mm -hmm, and then mm -hmm. even i'm 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 not even limiting the murals to the time of the cleon so like i oh, think yeah. that it's it, you know these murals could be depicting other times even before the cleon i mean that's we even very saw true. It in what that's was it, very the first true. or the second episode that demerzel was looking at something that was before the time of the cleons right yep 
Yep. So. You're absolutely right. I did not remember that little bit, but. That's why I'm not so quick to say it's Cleon. Cleon, yeah, it could be. Well, we, well, okay, folks, audience, listeners, we don't know who that figure is but there, but, you know. The way they showed it prominently, I got to figure that they're going to pay off uh, the knowledge of that at some point in time. So, you know, here we go with Rue and uh, Brother Dust walking in. What do they call this little area? I forget now. The Gossamer Court. The Gossamer Court where everybody's just doing whatever they want to do. And then they have this lovely conversation about her not remembering things because, you know, back in those days, you know, once once an uh, empire would have relations with someone, they would just zap their memory. So, mm-hmm. you know, again, I think she's being very charming and he's trying to be charming, but I don't, don't realize, I don't think he realizes he's being played because he offers for her to go back and basically watch their porn tape. <laughs> Yeah, which uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, 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 she she she's taking it very well. I w- I will say. Oh I yeah, think. well she's she's playing the game, and I don't well, think yeah, he realizes he's being played. Yeah, that's one of the questions I had from this scene is like, who's playing who? Because obviously she's you know sticking to her. You know, I forget what um, Sarah called it. Her something something tricks. Right. Oh, her courtesan tricks. Her courtesan tricks. She's yeah, sticking courtesan. to her courtesan tricks. Yeah. But I think also, you know, Dusk is trying to do something as well. And that was like one of the questions I had. It's like, who is oh, playing who yeah. in yeah. this scene? And like one of the things I wrote down was like, is Dusk trying to also get himself a wife right now? Because <laughs> I mean, for him, if that's what he's thinking, <laughs> one of the things he could be thinking is like, well, Dave's doing it. Why can't I do it? If that's a good, you know right? what? <laughs> I agree with you on that. I think I really do because he he may be playing. Of course, he's playing his own game because that's what the empires do. They play their own game. Now, of course, because he's older and he says it in the scene, like you know, I wasn't as as knowledgeable back then as I am now. Right? He says mm-hmm. that to Rue and Joiner Rue, and I don't know what the word Joiner is. I looked it up, but I really couldn't find anything. But I guess it's just like you know, an assistant or whatever. I don't know. I'm sure it means more than assistant, but. Yeah, he um he says that he's wiser now. It's just that unfortunately, the the wiser you get, the more broke down your body gets. <laughs> yeah, Don't trust him to that. Like they say, the youth is wasted on the young. Definitely facts. <laughs> <laughs> so um, in the next part of this, uh, the next thing we see from uh the folks on Trantor. Let's get to this scene here. Sorry, folks. All right. Yeah. So the next time we're on Trantor, the next scene that we see on Trantor is um, Queen Sarath. She is trying to get her questions answered. And that is the theme for this particular part of the show. She is trying. I think she and Rue are they're like fishing they're on their own reconnaissance mission to try to figure things out she wants to know if brother day had anything to do with the death of her family right? yeah she's poaching people from within the empire's guards to use as spies exactly and then um she wants to also know you know how did he survive that attack and so i'm looking at this guy markley which i think is a great name by the way um, I think that um, 
he must be pretty high up in like the Imperial Guard, wouldn't you think? Mm, maybe. I mean, I, I, I guess he would have to be at some sort of pretty high level because of his, you know, saying that he doesn't know exactly what to do or whatever, but he knows where to start. Right. Right. Like he actually has some sort of access to even be able to begin to find out an answer to her question. Exactly. Right. Right. I mean, in that scene, I was just thinking, you know, what kind of because we see the scars on his face. What what kind of history or things has he seen or done that would put him in a position to take such a risk? Right. Right. I mean, he even asks Sarah, well, what do you want? But what can you pay? What can you pay? I'm like, ooh, my man is asking all the right questions. He, he, he's asking the one right question. <laughs> mm-hmm. How much is, how much, it's got to be worth my, it's got to be worth my while to even do this because, you know, you know what the Empire could do. He could stick them two fingers up, do a little twist of the wrist, and that dude is done. Yeah, a little flick of the wrist. Yeah, a little flick, like, you know, <laughs> I wish, <laughs> no, I can't say that. <laughs> I was going to say I wish Uh-oh. I had. <laughs> what, what were you about to say? Oh, my God. Oh, God. <laughs> No, I really don't, cause I don't. I, I no. Let me take that all the way back, folks. Don't don't judge me, <laughs> but I think we've all been in situations where we really wish we could just like zap somebody out of existence. So that's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we're gonna move on to um what I'm con- calling part two. Well, let's just say the theme of part one is I think Sarah is really trying to get a foothold in the empire. Figure some things out, get her questions answered. Would you agree? Yeah, I mean, she obviously, like like we've been saying this whole time, she has a plan. She didn't just come to Trantor with nothing. I mean, even in that first scene that we saw her get off that ship, I mentioned that she looked up at Cleon with a particular look on her face, and I was just like, mm, "Yeah, you gotta keep an eye out." Yeah, like her because she definitely has something going on it's not just she's trying to you know be here to scout out this um potential union right she looked up is like "Ooh, y'all don't open up the door Ooh, i'm about to come on in there and get what i came here to get i'm gonna be on top look (laughs) yeah they better watch out for the queen seraphis she is no joke like i said before so all right so moving on part two is what i'm calling we're going to go on over here to the outer reach where Bell and Glaywin are on their jump ship about to touch down on planet Suena. And I don't know about you, but this particular part of the show was definitely giving me like Marvel comic vibes or DC comic vibes. I don't know which one is which, to be honest, but. What do you mean? How so? Okay, so when they were um, telling the, the first officer or whatever, the guy who was giving him the little rundown of what was going on. He was asking them, did they need a, a like a, a an escort? And he was like, no, um, so-and-so, Kerr and I, we're going to be winging it. And when he first said that, I was like, winging it? Now, what kind of, now, you know, in our parlance, winging it means you're just going off the cuff. Like, we just going to figure this thing out as we're going along. Mm-hmm. But we finally see later on in the scene that they get into those pods that look almost just like the one that, um, that Gail was shot out of, uh, Shout out of the um, what's that? What was the name of that ship? I can't ever think of the name of that. I Destiny. Don't Is it Destiny? remember. I don't anyway, know. the one that the the the, sh- the um little pod that um 
Gail was shot out of. And I was like, okay, so they're just going to touch down on the planet's surface in these little, you know, these little pods or whatever. But we see that as soon as they get launched out of the pods, I guess the pods are like a way to launch them out of the ship. And then they get launched out of the pods and they start flying. <laughs> and I'm like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> that is giving like, you know, Iron Man vibes, you know. That's the first thing I thought. Uh, I guess no. I could see it. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I don't know. I'm I'm not I'm not quite <laughs> seeing it myself. And then we see exactly what they mean by winging it, because they're flying down, and then their little wings come out, and that's how they land on the planet. They like land like Superman or something. They just like touch down like no stop, drop and roll. Just we down on a knee and a and a foot and a hand. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, I, I I would say definitely the way that he landed was like a superhero pose. A superhero pose, right? <laughs> see, look, see, I knew I had you on here for so you can say all the stuff that I'm trying to, you know, trying to elaborate on, but can't find the words. I do like the way his uh, suit like changed colors, though. That was how did it change colors? Interesting. It w- wait, <laughs> did it, it change colors? It did. <laughs> oh wait. It goes from blue to like the brown color that you. Oh that Lord, I did not even notice that. Mm, okay. Wait, I just I just like that because you know as far as CGI because I think we you know we kind of touched on it last week mm-hmm. the CGI in these shows is you know really impressive because to do that on such a surface like that with all of the lighting and all of everything else going on within the shot. Yeah. You know, it's really cool. Really cool to see that kind of stuff. I guess Corridor Crew may be doing something on one of these episodes because, you know, there's a lot to mine in terms of CGI and practical effects because I was um, looking at something. uh, I think it was just like a little teaser on Apple TV Plus where they they were talking about they wanted to do as much practical stuff as possible. So, like, the ships and everything, they did it digitally, like, on a computer. And then they did a 3D print model of them. Mm-hmm. So, they had these 3D models of the ships and whatnot. And then they put those on, like, screens. But it's actually real. So, they don't have to CGI everything. A lot of it is, you know, actual, like, um, miniature versions of the actual, you know, ships and things like that. Well, yeah, that, I mean, that as far as far as that goes, you know, it makes it more believable for the audience because, I mean, the the more we get further and further into technological advancements, people will, especially people who are looking at it closely enough yep. and have a particular knowledge amount base. of knowledge right. to you know basically guess at whether or not something is cgi or real mm-hmm. you know it it helps it to be m- more believable that um even though something could be cgi they do some sort of a real aspect to it yeah that way it's not so i don't know i don't know what a word would be for it but you know sort of some sort of like cgi tiredness you know oh where you yeah sort of get tired yeah. of seeing the same sort everything of thing CGI. cgi and i will say that looking at the the production of like the scenes everything just looks really really good i really i not only enjoy watching this show for the actors and the dialogue and 
you know, the scenes and, and the storyline, but just looking at everything is like, everything's like a mural, you know? So yeah. beautiful to look at like this surface here when they touch down on Sawena and then there, you know, those little holes, I'm, there's gotta be somewhere on the earth. I would think, right. What do you think? I don't know. They're uh, finding these really, really cool locations to film. And this one here with all these little divots, it's just a, it's just an amazing thing to look at. Yeah. I mean, uh, along uh, again, along those same lines, they could find a, a location, and it doesn't even have to look like where we where we see um, Glaywin and Bell meet the people of Sawena, where there's all these holes around. Yeah, they would only need to dig like maybe one or two, right. maybe four, yeah, that's and true. then like sort CGI of CGI the rest. copy it all over the rest of the yeah, landscape. That's true in a believable way. Well, they're doing a really good job of it. I will say that. So they touch down, and then they they. You know, here's the thing. I'm, uh, they used the storm to kind of like camouflage their arrival. But obviously, they should have been looking for people before. They, like, you didn't think they were looking for like people. Like, they couldn't have detected where human human bodies were. Because they literally touched down like not far from where the people had picked up their extraction packet. I, I don't know. That's I guess that's one <laughs> of the one of the plot, the plot holes in this particular um sequence here yeah well i will say this i don't mind because i love a good fight scene and glaywin and bell really tear them people up like they talking to them and they're trying to be trying to be nice that's not your property yada 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 it, how much you want for it oh, we want all your teeth and i'm like here, here's the one question i have camels actually survive and they're on Sawena. okay Call for the camels, man. Did you <laughs> think about the camels when you saw this scene? No, but now that you mention it, that camel was the only one of them that survived besides the <laughs> other guy that ran ran off. Yeah, so. well, who's going to kill the camel? It might need that camel later, right? <laughs> Keep the camel for, for future reference. But anyway, I love the way they um they just dispatch with these folks, except for the, like the one guy you said like who ran off. You know, which by the way, I you know you know that's the same guy that we've seen before, right? Yeah, he was in that episode where you know um constant and polly were trying to fossilize the people mm -hmm. so yeah i remember him but you know what here's the thing when she draws back like did he not realize that she was about to spit on him mm, no i mean i don't know maybe they're more civilized on trantor like you'd be like wait a minute what is she doing she got like she got like something in her throat <laughs> yeah <laughs> that spit she's about to hawk right in your face man <laughs> so disgusting yeah. But I like the way he turned her around and used her as a human shield. He was like, mm-mm. And then they dispatch with these fools, shooting them with those, um, what do they call them, light beams? Uh, light beam guns or whatever? Particle beam? Anyway, they dispatch, then they get the extraction packet, and they go and find the, what's the guy's name? Oh, the informant. Uh, His name is... Patrician Barr. Yeah, Patricia Barr. Well, I just want to say, like, this scene where we see him fighting the people. Uh-huh. Um, like, it, you know, I don't know how many more times Glaywin is going to have to make the point to him that, you know, this is not what they do before something changes or yeah. before some something happens, right? Yeah. Because, I mean... 
he would only feel like he could do that because these people he had he he kind of views as lesser than him himself yeah i and guess yeah yeah and also you know i mean glaywin even says to him before or so- something to the eff- i don't remember exactly what he says but he says something to the effect of by the time you recognize an atrocity you may have already been complicit in one which i think yep. is incredibly foreshadowing Exactly. Because, I mean, he's on this mission to do what Empire wants, right? Right. But at some point, the conflict between what he himself believes and this innate protection factor that he has, especially because Glewin is at his side, mm-hmm. those two things are going to come in conflict. And you know what? he is not going to realize until it's too late that he either has done something or yeah. is going to need to do something. Um. And at that point, you know, like I said, it's gonna just going to be too late because he's going to be put in a place where he's going to have to make a decision that he may be under different decisions and dis- different circumstances he wouldn't necessarily have to make. You know, I'm glad you brought that point up because that is something that I did want to uh, expound upon because we're seeing here. Now, we've seen Glaywin and Bell from the moment they reunited with one another. They've had little conflicts, you know, and I know that they're trying to work them out. But this one is a really I think a really big one because um, you just start to see the cracks in their in their relationship, even though it's just starting Mm -hmm. because Bell has been away, you know, on Lepsis. He had been away on that planet for six years under probably what are probably some of the harshest conditions that he had ever experienced in his life. While Glaywin was still on transfer, not saying he was living an easy life, but surely he wasn't like working his fingers to the bone every day, like not showering, teeth rotting away and all this stuff. So mm-hmm. we, we don't know exactly what um, Bell's mindset is, but apparently he missed the combat um, that he used to uh, be doing when he was, you know, the original commander of the 20th fleet. But I do see that they're um, they're having conflicts in there right now. And the thing that I thought to myself was, hmm, this is not going to be good. I think that there's going to be eventually a separation between the two of them. I mean, we see it happening. But I think that this mission that they're on is going to really, really force a reckoning between them. Like, okay, I can't I can't with you because you are not the same person that that, you know, I knew. And in that next scene with with them talking to um, talking to Patricia and Barr, um, Glaywin says something to Patricia and Barr. He's like, "Well, you don't, and you're still you're still like a loyal subject after Empire just like abandoned y'all here." And I think that was not only a question for um, that man, but I think it was also a question for um, for Bill. Yeah, like I he mean, sent you away and. You know, you're just going to come back and do whatever he asked you to do. Yeah, I mean, um, what's his what's his name? I forget because he he he. They call him Patrician Bar, but he, then he says, "Call me something Do-some. else." He says, "Call me Doosum Bar." Yeah, Doosum says to him, "He's like, well, the Empire's yoke and the release of it have left a mark. Left a mark, and exactly. It's the, and you know, Bell even scoffs at that moment because he's like." 
for him and for us as the audience, this is something that he's already been hearing from Glaywin. Exactly. Literally yep. the same thing keeps coming back to him. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, the writers and the, you know, showrunners are basically pointing that out to us. I, I think very intentionally that we should be paying attention. You know, yeah, keeping an eye out for when that um, idea comes back to you know, have an effect or have an impact on whatever moment occurs in the future for Bell. Right. Right. So they finally get to the informant's house, which, by the way, let me just say this. I love that little house. It's built into the, it's built underground, like into the side of like the mountain or whatever. But then when you go in, you don't, you don't realize how beautiful it is inside. It's like all the walls are like, it's like little domes inside. Right? Yeah. But before they even get inside, you know, he's talking to to do some bar and he says the title of the um, the title of this particular episode, which is where the stars are scattered thinly. And to me, it was like he was giving him code. Like, yeah. if I say this, then, you know, that we are together and then do some bar says and the cold of space seeps in. And so I think that was like I think it's probably like some sort of military code. That. Um, or it could be something, um, cause I was trying to theorize, like maybe it's like that, like you just said, or it could be something that only people in the outer reach would know hmm. as a, a, a way of, you know, um, I don't know. I'm not thinking of the right word, but togetherness of the outer reach folk against yeah, the but empire. But when was, when was. When was Bell really out? I mean, he would have been in it. I guess he would have been in the outer reach as the twenty commander of the twentieth fleet. Like, I'm sure their missions would have been very far flung, but I don't think he ever lived out there, right? No, but I mean, I mean maybe it's just, it's just something that you pick up out there. <laughs> yeah. And the other thing I thought it could be is another is like a specific quote taken from the book. You know. Oh yeah. Maybe it's a way for for book readers to be like, ah, a little Easter egg. Okay. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Now, by the way, folks. Neither one of us has read the book, so we're just kind of going off the show here, uh, really enjoying it. But um, at some point, I am probably going to read the books or listen to the books because I really, I really like this story, and um, it's really been a blast so far. So they're in here inside the man's house, which again, lovely home. Yeah, which by the way, I think, I mean, this is this all to me looks like it's somebody's actual house somewhere like this actually. That's the same thing I thought. I said, this has got to be somebody's actual house somewhere. And I really was trying to look it up. But of course, I couldn't find anything like they're not going to probably reveal like whose house this is like, where is that? Like tourists and stuff over there every time you turn around. Yeah, no. I'm sure the tourists who are familiar with that area have probably already, you know, ooh, you know, gone over there to see. So they're in there and they're um, the guy offers them some needle tea. He goes off to make it and then they discover his books. And, you know, when they said that, you know, they're looking at the books as if they're looking at like the Holy Grail or something, you know, because yeah, apparently <laughs> Glaywin has never seen a book ever. Right. He's never seen a book. But, you know, that makes sense because I mean, yeah. look at what year it is. I mean, these people probably don't need to read books. They probably get information downloaded into the brain chips or whatever and. You know, what will, what will, I mean, we're, we don't even read books now. Yeah. Who's, I have books and I love because I'm of a particular generation, Gen Xer. Okay. You know, shout out, shout out to the Gen Xers. <laughs> I love, I love the feel of 
opening a book and reading the words on a page. But Gen Gen Zs and they don't do that anymore. They don't do that at all. Nobody's reading books. Everything is on a computer. So. Yeah. I I, I mean that this scene where we see them looking at these books mm-hmm. is really a reflection of what we see today. Like like you just said. I mean, I myself don't really read books. What I did really you do in college? I'd ask you, are you going to get your books for school? Oh, yeah, Mom, I just downloaded it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I could I just, just read it on my, my phone, book. on my computer. I'm like, okay. Yeah, because I don't really need to carry around a heavy book. I did that all through high school. I had all those notebooks in my book bag and literally was carrying around three books and notebooks in my book bag. Right. It was too much. <laughs> when I went to college, I was like, you know what? I'm done. I'm only carrying one notebook, and that is it. Yeah. Well, I think it's I think it's really uh, you know, kind of awesome the way they bring that to light. Like he's never seen a book. Now, Bell yeah. doesn't say he's never seen a book, so cuz they they appear to be kind of generationally challenged for lack of like Glaywin definitely seems to be um older. I'm sorry, Bell definitely seems to be older than Glaywin, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Although I I was thinking to myself like with you know his time on whatever that planet was, Lepsis. would that have an effect? Yeah, and 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 all of his oh, an lack aging of effect. care, you know. Yeah, you're probably. Yeah, right. would that That's have an true. aging effect on him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how much older is he? I th- I think he is older, but I don't know how much older he is. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. That's a really good point. But yeah. I like also in this scene, um, do some, um tells Glaywin that that one book that he's looking at is basically a story of how of of, of basic I guess the story basically que- is basically you know getting the reader to question the rationale of war viewed through the story of this prince and his charioteer as Dusum says mm-hmm. so you know I think that's even in the scene we kind of see it's a reflection um, Bell of the character. have a particular reaction to him saying that. Oh, yes, he does. He does. And then after that, um, do some, you know, gives them their noodle tea and then they do a toast. And then Bell is like, um, here's to those who fight. And then Glaywin responds with, here's to those who fight and ask why. And do some is like, yeah, that's the actual toast. Right. That is, you know, a very important point. Because, I mean, even in our world, we, you know, often enough we have real-world events where a war breaks out and then after it's all over, people are wondering why. Why did that have to happen? Yep. It's mostly a bunch of lies being told. That's the way I can, that's the way I can kind of see it. People ginning up stuff so they can have their military industrial complex make money off things then there's general there's genuine wars where factions are warring with each other over territory or power or whatever so but when you get to grand scales i think it's a lot about money money and power territorial skirmishes are one thing but you know world wars and i mean there's about power but you know i think a lot of it's about money too (coughs) so you know, they find this guy, he's the informant, so he begins to show them what they came there for. He shows them how 
the clerics were on uh, Sawina trying to proselytize to the people. And then he shows them that they had the aura, which protects their bodies from, um, from being harmed. And then he showed them how, you know, Polly had a figure. He made a figure in fire out of the vault and what that looked like. And the last thing he showed them was, you know, they're, they're riding on what they people call whisper ships. Basically, it's just that um, spirit ship that has jump drive technology. And I think that Bell is really not, he's really not thinking here. And mm, what do you mean? I think he's not thinking because he's totally downplaying. He's totally downplaying what the guy's showing him. He's like, well, we're not going to believe it until we see it. Right. Yeah. Which I'm like, okay, why, why are you, you're on a mission. So don't be, you should be really looking at this stuff as if, wow, we really need to figure out exactly what's going on. Because that's going to come back to bite him in the, you know what, like he's going to go back to, um, he's going to go back to, um, Trantor. He's going to tell Empire, this is what we saw. And Empire's going to be like, well, you, you mean to tell me they had jump technology? You didn't go figure it out? Like if yeah. he doesn't go, if he doesn't go figure this out, it's going to be a major problem. Yeah. I mean, that, that was another thing I was thinking as I was watching this scene is like, well, now he knows that the foundation has these personal auras and these jump ships. Right. So at what point is he going to say something about it or is he going to keep that to himself? Cause I'm, I'm, I'm still wondering about what his motives are. Um, specifically and how he, you know, may try to use whatever power he has oh. to, you know, control the empire. Mm. Well, now that is something to consider. That's definitely something to consider. But at the very end here, we see because that one guy was a, was able to get away, he um, sent the local constabulary. I love those words. I love <laughs> I love words that just sound good rolling off the tongue. So they're coming there to kind of apprehend um, Bell and Glay and take the uh, informant into custody. But that man has been very forethinking. And he has actually taken a little poison because he doesn't want to be taken prisoner. Yeah, which, by the way, if you weren't paying attention in the moment when he gives them their noodle tea, he then smokes he something then, right after yep, that. He sure does. He we did, and I we noticed didn't that. see that. I mean, well, we saw it, but we didn't know exactly what, what he was, was doing. happening there until later in the scene when he says it. So right. Yep. I, I like when shows do that. It's like they yeah. put something right in front of you. They show it to you, but they don't explain they, what it is until later mm -hmm. right yep and then you can be like oh, oh that's what he was doing because i saw him take that i saw that little puff of smoke come out of his mouth and i'm like what was you know i didn't pay much attention to it but then he asks um bell to shoot him in the fort shoot him he said please shoot me right mm -hmm. and i'm like okay he wants him to shoot him um and he says he don't want he doesn't want to be um apprehended by those those goons outside and you know I can totally see where he's coming from because he's been doing that tight, tight beaming, is it light beaming, tight beaming for 40 years. Nobody's answered. And mm -hmm. I like the way he came back to um, when Bell was like, well, we're here now. He was like, ta-da. Yeah. <laughs> like y'all, y'all so many days, days late and dollars short <laughs> on that, you know? And I'm trying to figure out, okay, he took that poison. Did he know something bad was going to happen? like when they showed up on his doorstep did he realize that okay here come the cavalry to come take me in I don't know yeah 
I, I I think he he probably had an idea, which is why he did what he did, mm. right? I mean, I haven't. I don't think he would have done that otherwise. Um, and and you know, as soon as because he's been sending out these things for forty years, like you said, and so now all of a sudden things are starting to pop off, and he was like, okay, well. I think this is my time to exit. <laughs> right. Yeah. He was probably like, yeah, after 40 years, the only reason why they're here is because something bad about to happen. So let yeah. me dip out. <laughs> mm-hmm. So he asked um, Bell to shoot him and he does. And the way they show his face at the end, he's like, it's almost like that dude died with a smile on his face. Like, I'm getting so long, suckers. I'm getting out of here before it all goes to hell in a handbasket. Yeah. I thought it was also an interesting moment for Bell because it, I mean, after him basically, you know, killing all those people. When when they met those first group of people, oh yeah. In this moment, he had some remorse, and I was like, hmm. Well, that guy hmm. is an informant for the Empire, and those other people just like some randos. Like, I know y'all not trying to. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. You know the word. I'm, y'all not trying to challenge me. So let me show y'all what we got, and they kicked their butts. So um, then next thing we see. The extraction packet, more Marvel Comics situation going on here. I don't know about you, Justin, but when those little rings start floating up. Now, okay, so you see they got their guns in their hands and they put their guns behind their back and they, we see them from a, fo- a long distance. Uh-huh. Where'd their guns go? Well, we saw it earlier that the guns that they oh, have. Oh, that's they, right. They just, know. they were like transformer guns. Okay, yeah. you're right. So they just kind of like folded up. They probably put them back into those little backpacks on their back. Or wherever they were. Did at, you notice yeah. the, like the sound wave of the earth like bumping up when they when the thing shot them up into the air? Uh, I didn't think that was a sound wave. I thought or well, some kind of wave like a. a I not thought a sound I thought wave, it could like be, a pressure it could, well, wave. It could be a sound wave, but to me, I saw it and I thought it was a lens flare. A what? A lens flare. What is that? It's a particular effect that can happen when the sun and the lens of the camera are at a particular angle hmm. and it can act actually get into the shot no no if you go we'll go, you go back and look at that uh it was no just i know it, i know what you're talking about oh, okay i just to me it looked like it was a lens flare not necessarily some sort of like them breaking the sound barrier or something uh, it looked like a pressure wave to me because the ground was like literally like bumped up a little bit but the theme to that is i think um the theme to part two for me is, and you could be you could be right in that um, he has some ulterior motive, but I really feel like uh, the theme for me is uh, Bell is not taking serious what that man is saying, and that man might not even really know what he's saying, but somebody needs to be paying attention to what those people out there are doing and on the Empire because y'all trying to figure it out then. Go get all the information. Don't just say, oh, we're just going to not really pay attention to them until we see something. Yeah, I agree. I think he's making a mistake in that in that respect because, I mean, the, the Empire has taken the Foundation not seriously for so long, and now that he knows that they have personal auras of jump ships after all this time of them not paying attention, yep. like, there's there's no way you can look at that and think, oh, yeah, just whatever. Yeah. No, never not because... And and especially the fact that the these jump ships they have move without spacers, right? So, how did they figure that one out? I don't know. They got those sleep patches, 
And then the man did say that those ships have a mind of their own, which I guess if you like point in some coordinates and put the sleep patch on, then bam, you just take a nice little nap. It's like getting a propofol for your little colonoscopy. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> you just take a nice little nap. You see, you're going, you're going to figure it out when you get about 45, 50. Uh, okay. <laughs> all right. You just take a nice little nap and you wake up all refreshed. Like, Ooh, I feel like I just sleep eight, slept eight hours. <laughs> Anyway, moving on to part three, where we get to the meat and the potatoes of the episode. So we finally get to them. uh, And then when I say them, I'm talking about Polly and Constant on the spirit with Hober Mallow touching down on Terminus because, you know, they were tasked with bringing him back so that they can take him to the vaults. Yeah, I just like to say that in this moment where we first see them um constant sense to polly like oh it's a baby might witness prophecy and he's like prophecy sheldon help us right and i just found that funny because you know he is one of the only surviving people who saw harry the last time harry came out of the vault so this is this should be a special moment for him but i think it is being for him, marred or distorted because of Hober Mallow, someone who he's, you know, doesn't have much respect for because of his actions and his morals and whatever past experience he's had with him. Mm-hmm. Right? right. So I just found that interesting because he's like, you know, prophecy. What 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 is prophecy doing? Well, why is Hober Mallow par- part of this prophecy? <laughs> well, the other thing I think, too, when he said, Seldon help us. That's like a play on the term God help us. Mm-hmm. Right. So we already know that to them, Harry Seldon's like this godlike figure. And he plays. This is to me like the theme for this particular part. Harry playing God. Right. And Harry harrying as he always does, because he's telling these people certain things. But we already know Harry is not going to give you everything you need to know. No, he's not going to give you. You on a need-to-know basis, and you might not ever get to know because he might be sending you out. He might be sacrificing you for the good. He might be sacrificing a few for the good of the many, right? Yeah. Does that make make sense? Like, so um, as we're sitting here watching this thing, I like the way he sends her off. Now, Polly sends uh, Constant off to wake up, wake up uh, Hober Mallow, but we see him, like, look like he's snorting some coke or something. Yeah. Hey, yeah, he's 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 not let go of that yet. Although we see later in the episode that they kind of pay that off after um his interaction with Harry. Mm-hmm. Harry offers him the wine, but then he doesn't drink yep. it. Yep. I uh, see so. I like the way you brought that in cuz I thought that same thing. I'm like, "Okay, is is Polly finally going to be sobering up because he has like a real actual mission?" Right yeah, now, he a says real purpose, something a real worth purpose. Be- being or something like that. Yeah, is what he it, says. he's a ooh, an agent of peace, something worth yeah. being. And I was like, hmm, okay, but he's sending you to Trantor to entreat with the Empire. Like, do yeah. you know what happens to people who go to Trantor to entreat with the Empire? Like, they don't survive. Yeah, he's got a he's got quite the challenge ahead of him. I yeah, mean, he, the, he. I mean, we'll get more to it later, but Harry asks him about how well he's been doing in making sure that the foundation spreads in the outer reach. Yep. 
that's that's you know he's done it well and out of reach but how is it going to go on tarantula it, right like these people are they're out there for a reason like they're so far from the political intrigue and the machinations and they have basically been forgotten all the like for over 100 years they've been out there just on their own so he's done that he's done that but um he said he's he's claimed seven planets so far and we already know that that seven like biblically is like the number of completion i'm not like sure what that means but i think there's a lot of biblical references in this episode because at one point harry says something we'll get to it but i'm like i try to look that up and it is in the bible somewhere we'll get to it when we get there mm-hmm. so what do you think of this locrease wine locrease wine uh i mean i think a lot of what brother constant says in this scene is right about hover mallow that he has some sort of hope within him because i mean what kind of hope would you have to maintain to have something that you deem as so valuable that it's actually worth its value and have saved it have have in your mind that you want to save it for a good occasion and then save it for 15 years (laughs) despite any amount of you know good that might have happened over that stretch of time right right here's my theory and i'm just gonna get right to it because i feel like Cobra Mallow, and we see that they're kind of forming this little, you know, predicate of a relationship. You know, she's giving him the eyes. And the other thing, too, let me just say this little aside here. She's Thespin, and we see that she's got those characteristic Thespin colored eyes, which are like purple or blue or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's cool. Um, but the two of them are having this little, you know, Tete a tete little back and forth you know she said a little something something and he says a little something something you know it's like flirting with each other right mm-hmm. and so they do they do mention um and this is the other thing that i'll mention i'll say it right here too and i might be all over the place but if you've noticed gail's narration in this particular episode she talks a lot about attraction and ancestors and how those things play um in the grand scheme of things, right? Yeah. So I think that Hober Mallow, I'm theorizing, folks, Hober Mallow and Constant, Brother Constant, are going to be major characters later on in this series. That's just my thought. They well, separate I mean, them. They separate them at the end, and she says, "I I just really feel like this is going to be this is going to be it," but I really think that it's not going to be it. Well, it has to, at least for Hober, because we know that the mule knows who Hober Mallow is 150 years into the future. Right, but we don't know. He never, he didn't mention her, but that doesn't mean she wasn't around. No, I'm, I'm just saying, at least for Hober, we know that oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure to be yeah. the case. Right, right, right. I'm just thinking, I'm just thinking that he and, like, Hober Mallow and Brother Constant are going to be sharing that Locri's wine at some point. That's just my theory. Possibly. Maybe I'm a, r- a romantic at heart, you know? <laughs> I just, I, f- I find their little thing kind of cute. Even though when she first got off onto the planet, remember in that first episode, I think it was, she got off the little, off the spaceship or whatever, and then she ran into the arms of this guy. Like, I thought that was her boyfriend. And I was like, she just, we don't see him anymore. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. Remember that part? <laughs> I don't know. And so, now that you mention it, she, you know, she might have been a little quick to dump him in. Uh, 
<laughs> you think? And pick up Hover. She had to be. She had to be quick because she's all over Hover. Like the first minute she even saw him, she was like, "Hmm, I like it, like it, what I see here." She was already giving him the eyes. So they take him. Um, they escort him over to the, over to the vault. You know, we we finally, we finally think we about to go see what's inside this vault. Yeah, and I like how she just grabbed both Hober's arm and Polly's, Polly's arm, arm. Just like skipping along, like right. She's so childlike. I love her character. Yeah, she's just irreverent. She doesn't care what she says. She's like kids don't care what they say. That's how she is. I think. Mm-hmm. So they get to the vault, and then Hober's like, "Wait, what the yo, what? The heck is this?" Espe- especially after <laughs> after he notices that. The warden was incinerated. Well, he didn't even notice the warden was incinerated. Uh, Director Cermak said they were like, well, you know, we we are you're here. You were invited here. And we think that it was for a good thing. He's like, well, maybe not, because we see what happened to um, um, Warden Yeager. He was incinerated. And then he looks down like that was a person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hope was like, that was a person. I know y'all ain't got got me out here and people getting toasted in front of this vault. Come on now. Yeah, no. Y'all I, I'm I'm with Hober though. I, there's no way. Yeah, well, he didn't have a <laughs> choice because the vault just sucks him right on in there, right? Yeah, he he took it one one or two steps too close. Yeah. <laughs> and why was he backing into the thing? I'm like, dude, why are you backing up into it? Like, okay, that's not real smart. Uh, I don't know. So he gets sucked in, and then um, then of course, brother Constance, he's like, oh, we got to go help Hober. We got to go help him. And then, um, you know, then then Polly decides, OK, I'm going to. And the, then he turns around to Commander Cermak. He's like, or Director Cermak. He's like, are you coming? He's like, well, I have to be governing. And then he's Governance like. requires governing or something. Right. <laughs> he said, are you coming? And he's like, no, I'm just going to be governing. And then I look. Here's another person who's serving looks. Polly be serving looks. He looked at that <laughs> man like. Of course you are coming disgusting little weasel. Like, you're the you're the you're the guy, mm-hmm. you know. So here's the question: the highest person they had before was the warden. How did they get this guy? Like they had the warden, and this guy is apparently like over the warden. So at some point, well, I mean, I th- I think it would have been the director. Always, oh, you're right, Louis Pyrene. Yeah, you're right. Louis you're right. You're was, right. You know, He's met his like, fate on the Invictus. Yeah, you're right. I forgot about Louis Pyrene being like the director. Yeah. So okay. So now they're it, we're finally. Inside the vault, everybody, we're finally in there, and it looks just like the prime radiant that Harry was in in episode one. Yeah, but before you mention that, like, we got some more time shenanigans happening. Like they oh, were yeah, ta- yeah. they were outside talking for two minutes, and then when they get in, Hover's like, "Why have you guys left me in here for two days? <laughs> what are you doing?" Right, <laughs> like. And then they're probably like, it's been two minutes, man. What are you talking about? What are you saying? Yeah, I mean, that that to me is incredible. Two minutes is two days. Yeah. So the the thing is folding space and time and accelerating things. You know, so he's aged by two days, but they've only aged by two minutes. And that is one of the questions that we have in our mind. Like, how is Polly still alive? And when you think about it, maybe he was cryo sleeping at some point. I don't know. We just have to kind of go with it and figure out why people are, why Polly in particular is still alive. Why is um, 
not Yana, but what's the other? Kale, how is she still alive? You know, and here's the thing, folks. They left us on a cliffhanger last week, right? Left us on a cliffhanger. We see Gail rescue uh, Harry from the from that from the surface of that hand, and then they go up into the beggar. But what did they give us this episode? No Harry, no Gail, no Salvor, no Brother Day, no Brother Day, no Demerzel. <laughs> they just slashed out five very main characters. Now I'm not I'm not mad because this episode was still r- really good. But I was like, wow, you know, you know, a show is really good when they can like not show like main characters and you still that's for me. I was still enjoying this in in this episode thoroughly. So what do you think? Did you miss? Did you miss? Did you realize you missed the characters? No, I don't think so. Yeah, that's that's a sign of a good episode, don't you think? Yeah, I think when shows can do that effectively is, you know, is. It's it's telling to how well it's written and the pacing and the ability to keep your attention on what they want you to pay attention to. Right. So now here's my guy with the comic relief because after he complains about they left him in there for two days when it was really only two minutes, he's scarfing down that, what do they call it, farm bar? Ralph Barn. Ralph Barn. (laughs) He was talking about it before. And now he's like all over it. And then they start trying to figure out where they want to go. And he was like, well, don't go over there. I just took a dump over there. <laughs> over yeah. Mallow. Yeah, but before before that, um, Polly was like, have some respect. We're inside the mathematics of Harry Seldon. Yeah. And I, to, to me, I was just like <laughs> thinking about that moment after the fact. And I was like, basically reinterpreting what Hober was saying. And he was like, well, I just took a dump all over Harry's <laughs> mathematics. So man, we're not going that. You don't want to go that way. <laughs> just took a dump all over his mathematics. That's over there. good. That's good. Yeah, he sure did. Well, we see he doesn't really, he doesn't care, right? No. He, he doesn't he, care he's, at all. He's busy selling Harry's finger bones and whatnot. How was he selling Harry's finger bones, though? Well, of course he wasn't, but... <laughs> Right, he was selling somebody else's bones and saying these are Harry Seldon's finger bones. Like, dude, you out here really just wilding out. So, um, they start walking around. You know, they're looking, and uh, I like the way she says, "You know, I would hate to get lost in here." And then Hober says, "You are lost in here," and that's the same thing I thought in my mind as soon as she said, it, "I'm like, you are lost. Look around." Do you even? There's no signs. There's, 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 no, there's darkness and darkness. a couple of pinpoints of light. Right. You you hate to be lost. You just walked inside of something that looks like it's maybe two stories tall and maybe like a van width in in maybe two maybe two van widths wide. And you're talking about. And then you walk in talking about it's loud. It's what did you say? It's loud in here. Sounds big in it here. Sounds big in here. Right. <laughs> yeah. I was like, girl, what are you saying? Yeah, but we do get this one key um, shot here uh, zoomed out from the group, and it looks exactly like the inside of the Prime Radiant where we saw Harry at the beginning of this season, right? Talking to, was it Yana? Yana, who was Kale in disguise. Yeah. Apparently. 
Oh, you think that was Kali in disguise? Kali disguised herself as Yana. Oh. Huh. You don't remember that? She wrote the first the first person that we see other than Harry is Yana. Right. But then she starts talking and he's like, Well, I that's not my Yana. Oh yeah, right? yeah. I guess you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. Okay. I didn't think she was disguised. I just thought, you know, one was Yana, but then the other one was Kale. <laughs> okay. Well, they start start going towards where the they're hearing the music, and they run up on, like, I'm glad Harry got, like, a whole club up in here. He got food on a table. He got library, books. A far, a far cry from what the other Harry had. Right. He was apparently driving himself insane. Yeah, like, if he'd had some books, he might have been all right. You know, let me just sit down and study <laughs> a little bit. But... I like this scene because we see Hobart just run over and start eating the food. Of course, he's, he's had nothing and then to they eat find, for two days. Right, <laughs> and then they then they talk. Then Harry walks up and he and then they realize that oh, this is this food is Harry's body. Another biblical reference. Like we're going to eat the body of Christ. Like we're going to mm-hmm. eat the body of God. So, uh, Harry just strolls in, and I love the way he. He he points them each out, but then the one thing he says to um, Commander Cermak, "Oh, you look like you built a, quite a monument to yourself." And he says, "Nice." And and, and and he looks so proud of him having said that, right? Right. But then he he's like basically shading him the whole time. Yeah, <laughs> which I think was you know, I mean, we even see it on Polly's face a little bit later in this scene that Harry making those remarks to him is cathartic for Polly too. Polly has been saying the same thing yep. over and over this whole time mm-hmm. to Director Cermak about, I mean, terminus and how it's growing and it's just looking so it's looking more like Empire. Yeah, how it's gotten off its path. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. So can you imagine? Okay, now here's the thing. Okay, so we see Polly finally meeting his idol up close. Can you can you imagine what that must feel like? Have you? I know that. Shaka Khan actually touched my hand when I was a little girl. You know Shaka Khan is my all-time favorite singer, female singer, right? Mm-hmm. And I got to see her and Al Jarreau. Now, you want to talk about somebody died and went to heaven in the concert realm? <laughs> and I went down there and Shaka Khan came on the stage and touched my hand when I was a little girl. This is how, <laughs> how Polly's probably feeling right now. But let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. I understand we have to get actors who can do the job. But how did Polly's hair go on, go from stick straight to curly? I I don't know. You know I me. Mean? I'm always going to be I mentioning mean, the hair. I gotta I gotta talk about the hair. That's my thing. <laughs> Every week I'm saying something about somebody's hair. I mean, I have no idea. Maybe his hair could have changed, but I mean, how how, how could his change? hair not? I, I mean, I don't know. They, it's been 138 years. Somebody give guy, somebody so. gives look somebody on set. I'm gonna need hair and makeup. Somebody give. Give Polly a keratin treatment and straighten his hair out. Okay, just go send him on to Jason Mackey YouTube. Just look him up and give him a keratin treatment and shape and straighten his hair out for the show. Anyway, that's just my one little, my one little nitpick for this episode. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, moving right along. Um, so he's giving them their, you know, their missions. Yeah, I mean. We see how he recognizes Polly, and then Polly has a moment where he's like, wait, am I seeing what I think I'm seeing? 
What are you talking about? He points to the... Oh, the Prime Radiant. The Prime Radiant, and he's like, how? How is that possible? Because he right. says Salvor left with it over a century ago. Like, wh- how is this existing here when she took the only w- one that we know existed with her? Right? And then... Um, well, actually, I think that happens later in the scene, but I'm still going to go on because yeah, the way Harry describes it, he says that the Prime Radiant has a super or is a quantum computer that exists in a state of superposition, which mm-hmm. I looked up a definition of superposition. Oh, did you? Okay, well, please share. The definition I found says it is the ability of a quantum system to be in multiple states at the same time until it is measured. Hmm. And I also wrote in parentheses because it wasn't written alongside this definition that you could replace measured with accessed or observed. Hmm. Is that what you're talking about? Schrodinger's cat? We were talking about that yesterday. Yeah, that's how I was kind of trying to explain it to you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I wrote access specifically because I'm wondering, like, the, we, now that we know that there are apparently two of these prime radiants, Harry in the vault has one and Gale and Salvor have one. How connected right. are they? And what kind of changes or connections happen or don't happen? And is that tied to whether or not someone accesses it? Like, we see Gale and Salvor looking at the prime radiant. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, what... Is any sort of change happening there? Are they being connected in that moment? That's a good Are question. Are they diverging in that moment? That's a good question. Because we do see Harry in it. We're going to call him. What did I say we're going to call him? Because <laughs> we have to come up with two names for these Harrys, guys. We got we got Vault Harry. And then we have. I guess we're going to call him the real Harry. Because he, in last episode, has taken on flesh and bone form. Right? Yeah. So we have the Vault Harry who's giving out all these instructions and he opens up that Prime Radiant, but he doesn't not either they're accessing different information in the Prime Radiant when they open it up. But is he aware of he thinks I think he thinks everything's going according to plan. Yeah, I get that's that that's what he's thinking too, which to me was a little like hmm, that's why I was asking the question of like, okay, if he has this prime radiant and there's this superposition character that it has and Polly is like, oh, they can exist. The prime radiant can exist in two places at the same time. That to me brought on the question of how connected are they? Because right. if you're saying, well, he may be under an impression that everything's kind of going as planned outside. Right. Then how connected are those prime radiants? I don't know. I don't think they're connected at all because we already saw in the last episode, last two episodes that Harry, you know, Harry number two, second foundation Harry is basically the, the one that knows all and sees all. Right. And basically he put himself into this other, into the terminus uh, vault, Harry to say, okay, we have to plant you here so you can do these things. So I think that Vault Harry doesn't really know everything that's going on. Yeah, so that I think there is a that. separation in yeah. what, what they're knowing. Now that you mentioned that, that reminded me of the specific line that we see Harry when he's at the beginning of, of the season, when he's 
can't forget if he's still in the prime rating or he's outside the prime rating but he makes a remark to himself that the harry on terminus mm-hmm. wouldn't have his memories and his right exactly like, insight or whatever right? right so we already know things are off course because of gail and there, Gale and Harry and Salvor are trying to see what they can do from their second foundation standpoint to bring things back in line. But we have uh, first foundation Harry just basically going on what he already knows. So because he's like, okay, literally like we're on schedule because, okay, now I see that we have begun this religion on Terminus. And so great we're right on track but y'all really not right on track because you don't know what's going on with the other one with the other foundation yeah so that's going to be a problem so he's sending them to terminus not realizing everything else that's going on you mean trantor i'm sorry yes trantor he's sending polly and constant to trantor without having all the information that he would need which is a problem and even though harry is still harry because we already know this is what i'll say harry is harry (laughs) Because he's not telling them everything they need to know. He's just sending them out there. Go and tell them all about foundation. Mm-hmm. And bring them into into like believing in and wanting to 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 create and, and carry on foundation. Yeah, so. which is uh like I said, that is gonna be quite the challenge because I mean I I, I don't think it's going to work at all. No, it's not going to work because we already know what's going on on the outside. We have ideas of what's going on on the outside, and uh, we've already seen what happens to people that go to Trantor trying to trying to um, plead their case with Empire. Not, it's not a good situation. So he's talking to them, giving them their missions, and then he's talking to Hober. He and he sends them. He sends uh, P- Polly and Constant on out. Like, okay, you guys go do what you're going to do. Go. Go go and do what I've uh, entrusted with you to do, and then he says I got to talk to Hober, but he tells he talks to Hober, but we don't know what he's telling Hober to do. He we don't know where he's sending where 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 he's sending him or any of that. We don't know who he's going to be meeting. We don't know any of that information, and that's what I like about this show. They will leave you in a state of like okay, let's speculate, let's kind of figure out what's what's going on now. Yeah, well, we know he that whatever whatever he thinks he's doing, he thinks what he's sending them to do is ultimately in well, at least for Polly and Brother Constant, what he wants them to think is that he's you you know sending them on this mission to prevent a war. Which I like how um, Director Cermak reacted. He was like, "Prevent a war? Mm-hmm. I've been doing all this right work of trying to you know." Get us increase our defenses and increase our armaments and all this stuff. Yeah. And then Polly turns around. He's like, man, shut up. Basically what he says, I'm not going to say the word. Shut up. Like, if we <laughs> if we can prevent the war, why not do it that way? He said, it's time. We time out for your warmongering, you know? Yeah, and then Harry's like, thank you, Polly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Doc, Director Sir Mc, again, fine suit, just shading the hell out of him to his face. Like, like, John, the, the suit. I can't that's, say anything about you. That's the only thing you. that he can right. commend about Doc, right. uh, Director Cermak. I've kissed your daughter on her head. I've praised Polly for being the man that I need him to be in terms of proselytizing to these other planets. 
Hober, I got something for you. Oh, director Sir Mac, nice suit guy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's all I got to say about you. <laughs> so yeah, I, I like, um, oh, here's this part here too, where he's really being his most godlike self. This is Harry I'm talking about. Because Polly asks him, why did he incinerate Warden Yeager? And he says, well, for a god to be effective, you have to be intermediate, intermittently wrathful. And I was like, wow. Yeah. He really is full of himself at this point. Well, yeah. I mean, I think he's taking from a, you know, I guess historical examples where people interpret random you know, unexplainable, uh, you know, sort of catastrophic events and use that as, oh, this is God's divine judgment for our doing or not doing something. Yeah, we were right? bad, so this is our punishment, basically. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, he's, us he's using that to basically con keep control. Because, I mean, even he says even That's in this true. scene, he's like, well, how long before uh, Warden Jaeger would have made his interaction with me the power that he uses to assert himself as the only authority on what I would want. Exit. Yep. That's exactly what he says. And I was like, wow. But wow, you really had to incinerate the dude? Like, you couldn't have got him in there? Like, yo, don't do this. <laughs> but nope, that wasn't his way. He was like, I have to be, I have to show these people my power. Yeah. To keep them in line to do what I need them to do. Mm hmm So we still don't get to see um we still don't get to see what he he, he talks to Hober and they, they find that they do find out that they have um something in common in terms of how they grew up. You know, Hober says that he was educated at the fists of his father and he got out. Mm -hmm. And then Harry says, Oh, I did too and I got out too and then they have this little discussion about you know, were you doing it by nefarious means? And he's like, look, I like the way Hober put it right back on him. Like, look, you got these people out here talking about uh, they have imperial um, uh, technology, but you're they're out here talking about like it's godlike technology or it's godlike. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Just to help me out here. The imperial uh, technology is supposed to be a stand in for uh, this is God's power. Oh, yeah. But mm -hmm. it's just really imperial technology, like mm -hmm. the jump ships and the auras and all that. It's just tech. It's not any, you know, extreme being out there that's like, oh, I'm in, I'm giving these people these powers. So he's like, you talking about me being doing things that are nefarious, but you're doing the same thing. Yeah. I I like, though, even before the, that moment, um, Hober asks Harry if he's going to leave here alive. And then Harry responds with, well, for that to be effective, you need witnesses. Yep. And for some reason, I don't know, I wasn't understanding what he was saying there initially. Right. I, only after the third time I watched it, I realized that he was making reference to what he did to Warden Yeager. Oh, yeah, yeah, Like, yeah, to me, yeah. he was like, well, I did what I did to Warden Yeager because I needed to make a show and I needed to send a message. Mm -hmm. But killing you now with no one here to see it but me would be useless in terms of having any greater effect. Yep. So, yep. yeah. He says uh, some mysterious things to Harry does in this scene, right? So 
he's talking to Hobart, and then he says, a passing ghost dropped your name, right? So he says, a passing ghost dropped your name. Now, who do you think he's talking about? The mule? Oh, I have no idea. Right, another mystery. And then the other thing he's um, he mentions is the church was one mechanism to grow the foundation, right? You, you, you have this religion, and then you spread it out to these other planets. But then he tells him that I'm going to be using you to create another mechanism for that growth. What does that mean? Dun, dun, dun. Uh, well, I didn't take it that he was implying that um, Hober would be that mechanism, but I did think like well, he, he would says, be an instrument of it though. Like he's using him to whatever this mechanism is going to be. Hober is going to be like the impetus for that. Like he's going to be the beginning of that. Well, yeah, potentially, but I I think what I was getting more at was that um, I mean. He says to Hober that the people that he's sending him to or the place that he's sending him to, the people there won't respond to a spiritual approach. Right. So and and this is where I kind of started theorizing, like. Who would not be receptive or responsive to a spiritual approach? People who already have some sort of means and technology and knowledge yes. that other people don't have right and to me th that made me theorize that maybe he's sending hober to wherever gale and salvor are headed to Ooh, ignis yeah because i mean that's where the second foundation is supposed to be and ah. to be some sort of influence on them he would need to be able to present whatever plan he has to them in a way that wouldn't seem like religion to the right. people that he's already, because we already to the people he's interacting with, right? Because we already know that Gail is she has some spiritual tendencies, but she left her home planet because they were persecuting people who didn't believe. Mm -hmm. And we know we we already know Harry's not about it, and Salvor just never really was. He never was. So that is a very interesting theory, Justin. I like that. I really do. Well, I've I, been I, on I, my I, like trying to figure out where is he sending him and to who. Yeah, I think I think another sort of um, confirming factor is the scene that we have seen already in this season, where um, Gail is interacting with the mule and he's asking her about Hober Mallow. Like somehow he didn't. Did he ask her about Hober Mallow? Well, I thought he did. I mean, no, he, he mentioned, mentioned Hober Mallow. He asked her where the um second foundation was right well i i just think that you know somehow hober mallow and because i well i think if i if i'm remembering correctly the mule is you know he has gale future gale by the neck and he's yeah. peering through her at past gale yeah and he's like who is that someone peering out at me are you from the time of hober mallow and to me, that was like um, almost like a, a way to connect them. To connect them. Yes, 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 yes. Ooh, look at you putting it. Look, this is what I think about this show, this particular episode, right? Because I like the way you just, I like the way you just said that. Um, you know how you buy like one of these big giant puzzles? What's the mm -hmm. first thing you do when you get a puzzle? 
find all the corner pieces. You find all the corner pieces, all the edge pieces. So to me, this episode is like we're putting the edges to the puzzle together, right? Yeah. And now we got to start theorizing in our minds, trying to figure out, okay, what's going to finally help us put the puzzle together so that we see the full picture. So that's my little, my little spiel there. So he opens up that prime radiant, but we don't get to see what he's looking at. We don't, we, we see, but we don't see, see, you know. Yeah, we don't get to see or hear any of the conversation that, you know, they have around whatever I hate the when they do that prime too. radiant is showing them in that moment. Right. I hate when they do that. <laughs> so well, they, they got to leave it on a, a bit of a cliffhanger. They do. They, they, they leave every episode on a cliffhanger, which I love because it makes you, makes you think like, okay, I got to go back and watch this again. Maybe I can pick up on something and kind of figure out what's going on. So Hober comes out of the vault, and I like, <laughs> I like, I, I love Constant because she's got jokes. She's like, oh, you've been in there for three years. And then, then Polly just like blows her cover like, it's been three hours. She's like, you just can't go along with the joke, can you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so then they have their little scene, you know, he says that he's got to use the ship because, well, Harry's already programmed my coordinates. Y'all going to balk, but it's fine. You know, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Y'all just go do what y'all got to do to get the Trantor, and I'm going off to wherever I'm going to see whoever I've been tasked to see. But then he has to take care of Becky. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. What's how that thing called again, Justin? Uh, oh, no. Oh, my God. Come on. You got to get it. Come on. Come on. Come on. Comb your, comb your memory banks. I can't think of it. It's, it's escaping me right now. But I'm like, why does that thing, does that thing live on that ship? And is it going to, is it going to cotton to him? Like that, that's, that's Constance pet, right? Well, I mean, she says that, you know, his scent is that she likes Hober. So I guess it won't attack Hober. <laughs> I guess. I guess it won't eat him. I guess it won't. But I mean, why, why wouldn't she take the thing with her? Like, I don't know. Or leave it on leave it on terminus, you know, cuz that's where it's from. I would think, right? Bishop's yeah. claw, that's what it is. Oh, yeah. Lord, I Bishop's couldn't think that. <laughs> I mean, maybe maybe Becky will end up saving his life at some point. I think you might be right. You might be right. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see as the as the episodes go on. But uh, I love this little this little chit-chat that they have here cuz she was really kind of she was really kind of shook that they weren't going to be going to Trantor together. Yeah. Poor Constant catching feelings for Hober. He kind of catching feelings for her too cuz I, but I here's the thing that I think is going to bind them. This is why I think that they're going to at some point be back together again because he said, "Yeah, that's why I'm going to figure out what your name is." Right? Cuz at first and he asked her he asked her what her name is and she says, "My pot or something whatever blah blah blah." I don't even know what she was talking about. <laughs> but she said, "You know, we don't tell what our names are." For whatever reason, I don't mm-hmm. know. They keep them private, and so he just seems like the type of guy who gets whatever he wants, and he's going to figure out what her name is, and that's going to be the the thing that brings them back together, so that they can enjoy that fine aged Locri wine. That's just my theory. Yeah, well, uh, at least we know her name isn't Weenus. <laughs> <laughs> Which I was like, oh, Lord. And then the death diary, I was like, oh, Lord, that's a little bit too close to diarrhea. Like, come on, guy. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, my favorite name that he calls her, like he's trying to figure out her name, is Agatish. I don't know. 
I think this whole show is just giving me Game of Thrones vibes. I really, I really do think so. And let me just, let me just, speaking of the Game of Thrones vibes, does anybody, I don't know if any of the listeners, I hope, hopefully I have more than just like a handful. <laughs> but for whatever reason, I was thinking that Glaywin in that scene with Bell when he was chastising him for beating up all those people was totally giving me Jon Snow vibes. Justin, thoughts? Well, yeah, I could see it because, you know, Jon Snow, his character is the kind who would be that person in that moment to be like, why didn't you need to do that? Exactly. Did you think he sounded like him too? Mm. Even the (laughs) accent, because I really, I would not I was going to say, I think think you're only getting the accent there. I'm real, but you know, I really think that those two, they might, I think those two might be from the same area over there in Britain, wherever they're from. That's just me, guys, you know, speculating. As I always do. <laughs> yeah. So we see him ascend up into up into uh, the sky on the uh, spirit, and poor Constance has got the saddest look on her face. But then we see Gail. We hear Gail's narration, and they're again talking about attraction of people to yeah. each other. That's why I think that those two are going to be back together again. Well, yeah, I had it written down in my notes, like. She's Gail says that you know attraction is you know it's not something that matters in the grand scheme of things. But right. I had written down in my notes is the attraction between Hober and Brother Constant the exception to that, right? Because exactly. I mean, even Gail says in her narrations, like with. Few exceptions. Few exceptions. Attraction is irrelevant. It, there it is. There it is. That's why I think that the relationship between those two is going to be like super duper important. That's just my thought, people. That's just my thought. So that's it, guys. Um, for that particular episode, Justin, do you have a favorite scene? Uh. I don't know that I have a favorite particular scene uh, or maybe I could say that I like all the interactions that we saw with um, Queen Sarith. Oh, okay. Why? Well, I just like the way she basically flies in the face of Empire. (laughs) Yeah. She just has that energy and that wit about her to basically... In a, in a way, get away with the things that other people wouldn't be able to get away with. Right. <laughs> well, my favorite scene is that whole entire scene inside the vault. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. it really just opens up the series for what's to come next. It's like, ah, okay, we're finally starting to get some get some juice. Start finally starting to get, again, some more meat on the bones here, so... That's why I really like that that whole scene. I know it's a great big part of the episode, but I really liked all of it. I mean, the scene, you know, of then inside the vault. Um, okay, let's see. Polly gets to meet his idol. Harry being all godlike, you know. So, um, do you have a favorite line in the scene in the episode? I I didn't write one down, and no. I don't I don't think. Well, actually, actually, actually. Uh-oh. I think 
<laughs> I think my favorite line would have to be Hober talking about <laughs> him taking a dump in the corner. Oh, no. <laughs> Not the dump in the corner. Yeah, I think that would be my favorite one. Okay. Well, I'm kind of along the lines. You know, I'm always going to be trying to, I'm always going to gravitate towards something that's funny. So my favorite, um, actually I have two, if y'all would just Uh-oh. oblige me. Um, and the first one is Hober Mallow to Harry inside the vault. You didn't think to throw some food molecules in my path? You taste delicious, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the other one is when he's giving him his mission, he's like, you're not sending me with the drunk and the monk to sell peace to empire? It's the drunk and the monk. <laughs> the drunk and the monk, right? <laughs> I just thought that was hilarious when I first saw it. I was like, this guy, he's got jokes. I love him. So I'm always going to be going on the side of people who got something funny to say. So I'm going to, oh, episode score. Did you want to go with yours first? or? No, you can do yours first. Okay, I'm giving this episode a 4.5 just like last week. Um, Again, things are starting to heat up. We're getting more pieces um, put into place. Again, like I said, like an outline of a puzzle. So um, they're building it up slowly every single every single week, every single episode. And I love that. And I love that they don't have to tell you everything. Like, let my let me let my mind think about things, you know? So... We we got a lot. We saw a lot, and we didn't see as much as we saw in the first episode. But I think a lot did happen to to move the story along. So yeah, 4. I think 5. I'd have to. Yeah, I think I'd have to agree. Give it a four point five as well. Cool. I'd, you know, like you said, they're really starting to set up some stuff mm-hmm. for later in the season, which they've and been doing every week. But I think we got to see a little bit more this week yeah that's i was i was gonna say pretty much the same thing is that we get to see a little bit more like we see you know the interaction between bell and glaywin and their mission and yep i'm i'm interested to see like i was mentioning earlier um during this episode is how is the interaction between those two and the responsibility that they feel to each other and to the empire and all of these different sort of elements. How is that going to play out out over the rest of the season? I think, you know, that's going to be a particular inflection point. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, we do see some dots get connected. Like, finally, we see Bill and the informant. We see Harry and Hover, you know. So, we're, we're getting those little things put in place. So, anyway... That is our episode, folks. Um, hope you enjoyed it. Hope you're enjoying the show as well, and I hope you're enjoying our analysis and our take on it. Um, if you do, please share the episode with your family and friends. Give us a good rating on whatever platform you're using. And I think I don't have anything else to say about the episode. Justin, do you? Mm. Oh, you know, I actually wanted to just throw in a quick little fun fact about the oh, music right. yes. um, of this show. I will just say that if you're, you know, paying attention to the credits, you know that the music is done by Barry McCreary. 
And he actually is also responsible for the main theme of The Walking Dead. For those of you out there who have seen that show, yes. you may um, know the exact same, uh, theme I'm talking about. He's responsible for that. And he's also done plenty of other work. He's also um, composed the main theme and music for the Amazon TV show, The Lord of the Rings. Uh, oh, wow. The Lord of the Rings Amazon TV show. And he's also done work in video games as well, the most recent of which was um, God of War, Ragnarok. So, oh, he has love him. he has quite a pedigree. Yeah, and but and along that, um, there's a behind the scenes that exists on YouTube where he explains his process for writing and composing the score for this show, which I think is really interesting. He talks about how he's done his composing work over the years pretty much the same way, but this show and its themes of mathematics with Harry Seldon's psychohistory um, sort of influenced him to try and take a different approach to the way he did his work. So, yeah, if you find that video on YouTube, um, it's a behind-the-scenes for the composing of the foundation main theme you'll be able to see more into how he is able to contribute what he contributes to this great show. So, yeah. Yes, thank you, Justin, for bringing me back. You know, sometimes I get ahead of myself. <laughs> we are supposed to be doing our little tidbits and fun facts. So, uh, thank you for that. I appreciate that. Very good. Yeah, I don't have anything else. That's it. Okay, very good. So, all right, people. That is going to be the end of our show. And again, if you enjoy it, Please let us know. And uh, with that being said, I guess we'll be signing out. Yep. Signing out.